What are the origins of Islam and who was Muhammad? Today we're looking at some Muslim sources that give background to who Muhammad was. And that's what we'll be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, you are listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and we are back today, and we're going to start a new series on Islam. Yes, Islam. Here we go. We had a lot of people, um, a lot of listeners in the UK uh, asking us, actually, about doing uh, more on Islam. They said, hey, it's really interesting about Mormonism, but we don't have a ton of Mormons here in England, right? And so (laughs) if you could do more on Islam, because there are a lot of Muslims living in the UK. Yeah, because we were were just talking about it. It it is interesting, because there's not... Uh, has big of a Muslim population in the United States, like no, especially it's not that to big. Yeah. yeah, it's not that big here, but in in the UK it is. Very, yeah, very yeah. Prevalent. So that's yeah. So so hopefully this is helpful. Uh, yeah. We just want to um, try to reach our audience where they're at, and then um, help provide information. Uh, to the ministry needs based off of where our listeners are from. So hopefully Definitely. this does that. Yeah, and I think what will be interesting to all of our listeners is the similarities you'll spot between Islam and Mormonism. Yeah, well, there are honestly, a lot of similarities. It's in cults in general. We we had our podcast about that like a couple weeks ago. It was Scientology. Like, yeah, 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 with that, it's like cults in general. It just they it's tend a to, lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, there's just no original ideas out there anymore. They're just yeah. You know, I, I think like, I think part of it is because demons aren't creative. Uh, yeah. he, human beings are creative because why? We're made in God's yeah. image and likeness. That's right. Demons aren't creative, and they keep rehashing the old same ideas. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, it's yeah. Tr- that's yeah. a good thought. I mean, yeah, I it's interesting it's, to think about. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, But anyways, we wanted to get into some announcements before we get started with the podcast. Uh, if you aren't already, make sure that you are following us on our Instagram and our Facebook pages. Yes. Yeah, because right there, you can get... All of our content, though, we'll, we talk about what we're going to be discussing on the show a lot. Sometimes we'll uh, post encouraging messages. And then uh, heck, just recently, this past week, we, uh, we actually today when we we're recording, we received uh, a comment on one of our Facebook posts uh, from uh, an ex-Mormon who said that through listening to some of the resources we've given on the podcast, that they ultimately made their decision to leave the Mormon church. And, yeah, I've yeah. got that quote right here. Um, this is from a lady named Cheyenne. She lives out in Kentucky. And uh, yeah, this is this is the this is what she said. Super encouraging to us. You yeah, te- right. You, I think you texted it to me and said, did you see this? Uh, I, I did, hadn't. yeah. That was this morning. Yeah. Right. And um, so Cheyenne said, I like to say I'm a recovering Mormon. Within the last week, your podcasts have helped me leave the church. I'm now trying to deprogram. This has been such a heartbreaking and difficult decision. Thank you for helping me see clearer. Yeah. Awesome. And so um, I, I reached out to her and some instant messages and was just sharing some articles with her on what, what Christians believe it is to be saved and how, mm. you, how you become saved by trusting in, in Jesus Christ, by believing in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. But also just giving her some resources and some help on getting plugged into a good church. And um, yeah, but man, it's just so mm-hmm. crazy when you get encouraging Texts like that, right? Or Facebook yeah, it is. posts like that. It because was just that's, unreal. That's just one of our goals, right? Is for like, um, for a Mormon or a, a person, a Muslim or, or an Jehovah's atheist Witness or anybody, or atheist, yeah, to listen to this podcast and be impacted to where it changes their worldview yes. and makes them rethink their identity and like, uh, like entirely. Like that's just so 
crazy to hear that. And it's encouraging that we're making an impact through what we're talking about and sharing on this podcast. It is. Yep. And so Cheyenne, hopefully you're out there listening. Mm. Um, we're praying for you. If we can help you in any way with anything. Yeah. Just send me mm. a message on Facebook and um, yeah, we're here for you. So yeah, praying for you and let us know. Uh, mm. Let us know if we can help. Yeah, and then and then with that, so uh, as well as those social media pages, we also have our Christ Culture and Coffee Insiders group, mm-hmm. uh, which you can be a part of. It's a super awesome group where people are asking questions. Uh, we're p- giving some exclusive content to insiders only, and all you have to do is leave us a review on iTunes and yep. then ask to join our group. Fill out a couple questions on there, and then you're in. Yep, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to to join a group of like-minded people who are seeking more apologetics content, go and be a part of this group. Yeah, we would love that. Uh, Also, I want to let you guys know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but um, there is a phenomenal conference coming to the Phoenix area, the Deep Faith Apologetics Conference. Mm -hmm. Now, this is for students junior high through college, but if you're an adult and you'll bring a student, you can totally come too. It's going to be at Calvary Phoenix, which is on I-17 and Cactus here in the Valley. And uh, it's November 2nd, it's a Saturday, and uh, it's all-day conference. I'm speaking at it on uh, transgenderism. Sean McDowell actually is coming out from California. He's going to be talking about homosexuality. My friend James Umber is going to be speaking on evolution. We've got a whole bunch of guys doing great breakout sessions that you can choose from. There's going to be a whole Q&A session, so any questions you have, you can ask at the Q&A session. Uh, Lunch is included. It is a great, great conference. Would love for you guys to come out. And the best part of it is, Tyler's going to be there. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah, the best part. It's the best part. I don't know about that. He'll be there. I do. You know what I think the best part is? Lunch is included. That is true, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's very rare that lunch is included with these things. That's true. But if you'd like to go to that, we would love to see you. Again, I'm going to be out there. Tyler's going to be there. We're going to have a Christ Culture and Coffee uh, vending table out there for you to come and meet us and hopefully record some stuff while we're there. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. going to be great. So if, if you'd like to come to that, visit Deep Faith Apologetics. Com. Yes. It's all one yeah. word, deepfaithapologetics.com. You can learn more about the conference. You can purchase tickets there. Um, but again, tickets are selling pretty fast. We're in- anticipating selling out. So would love That's for great. you to come and to be a part of this uh, conference on November 2nd. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's get into the topic of the day, Islam. Yes. Are you ready for this, Tyler? I'm ready. Let's get into it. Okay. Well, one of the things that's important when we're talking about Islam, and a lot of people don't know this, um, Muslims definitely hold the Quran, right, to Mm -hmm. be the holy, eternal word of Allah. Yeah. Okay. So the Quran's their authority source. Most people know that, but what they don't know is that there are also other sources that Muslims hold in very, very high esteem, almost, not not to the level of the Quran, but almost to the level of the Quran. Right. These writings are the Hadith and the Surah. Okay, these are really important to Muslims. Um, the Quran, if, if you read it, and you should read it, you can go on Quran.com, and uh, you can read the whole thing in yeah. English. It's there. Um, so you should definitely go read it. But um, the Quran, it's not biographical. It doesn't talk about Muhammad very much at all. And this is this is a conundrum for Muslims because Muhammad was the greatest prophet, the greatest man to ever live, the the man who's who kept the Quran more closely than anyone else. And if you want to be a good Muslim, you need to mimic and live like Muhammad. Mm. 
Well, how do you know how Muhammad lived? Because the Quran does not talk about it very much. Right. You need other sources. And that's what the Hadith are. Hadith are the collections of sayings and the deeds of Muhammad, who was the greatest man to ever live, according to Islam. So um, Muslims go to the Hadith to see how they should live their life. And a lot of, of the day-to-day um, Muslim beliefs and practices come from Hadith. Even some of the five right. pillars actually come from Hadith, not yeah. from the Quran. So that's that's a big deal. In the five pillars, that's like that's brought up a lot in mm-hmm. dealing with their faith. And yeah, so those are the yeah. five things that they have to do. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, Hadith are extremely important in imitating Muhammad. Um, the Surah are like modern day biographies. Um, the writers have tried to write a complete depiction of the life of Muhammad, but they're like a biography, uh-huh. where the Hadith aren't as, as much biography. Um, today, Muslims highly favor the Hadith. Okay. And some of the biographies, they don't like at all. Mm, and the reason really? for it is because, yeah, well, the Hadith that are very well known are um, uh, Sahih al-Bukhari, you can just say Bukhari. Bukhari. Or Sahih al-Muslim. And, and Muslim, he was actually a student of Bukhari. So these are kind of like one source, okay? Okay. But they like Bukhari because he went to extensive lengths to, as much as possible, make sure his sources were valid. Like he'd go investigate and say, okay, what do you know about the prophet? Okay. Well, there you go. And people would say, well, I know this. And he'd say, how do you know that? Who told you? Who told them? Who told them? And there's like a chain of oral transmission. And it's actually even listed in Bukhari. Okay. So it's a guy who's seeking out answers of his life. Mm -hmm. So he's got more information. That's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the guy who told him died, but who told the guy before he died and who told him before he died, going back to the prophet. He was right. trying to do the best he could with uh, making sure these were valid um, things that Muhammad did. Interesting. So Bukhari okay. is like the top. He's the best hadith uh, in the Muslim world. Okay. So if it's in Bukhari, it is like God's word almost. Right. To them. Okay. Because okay? these are accurate stories of the prophet. Um, Sahih al-Muslim, he, uh, this is Hadith, but he was a student of Bukhari, so it's kind of the same source because he's getting most of his information from Bukhari. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. But those are two top Hadith. Now, there's there's other ones too, but those two are very uh, held, held in high esteem, and Bukhari and al-Muslim come from the year 870 and 875. Now, Muhammad died in 632. Wow. So so 870 is what, what is that? I'm not yeah. I'm no math major here, <laughs> but that's what two, 238 years later. That's a lo- yeah, that's a long time. It's a long time to try to make sure people were correctly transmitting these stories about Muhammad. Jeez. But Muslims think that it's accurate. Well, that's the equivalent of us having no recorded data of the founding of the United States, but other than oral tradition mm-hmm. today. And then us today writing about what happened. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's the, that just to paint a picture in your mind of what that's like. Would you say that's pretty accurate to say that? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. 1776 to 1976 is 200 years plus yeah. 38. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's about so, where we're at, and us. Just it's as writing. if we had no information other than oral tradition of how it was how founded. America was founded. Yeah, and then we decided one day, okay, you know what? Well, we're going to investigate people that. Yeah, I've heard it from word of mouth, and we're going to write it down. Yeah, probably not the most accurate method. Yeah, but that's the earliest hadith, and hadith are are these two hadith, Bukhari and Muslim, 
um, Muslims hold in high esteem. They, okay. they believe these are true. Okay. okay. Um, now the surat, the biographies. Uh, one of them is very, very early. It's from 770. It's a hundred years earlier than the best hadith. Mm. Okay, uh, so this, from a historical standpoint, this is the best source to use, and it's um, called Sirat Rasul Allah. Uh, it means uh, like biography of the Prophet of Allah, which huh. is which is Muhammad. Okay, so this was by Ibn Ishaq. And um, you can read this online. Just type it in, I Ibn Ishaq and, uh, yeah, the, the Prophet of, of Allah. Uh, <laughs> another really good biography is called The Battles of the Prophet um, by Ibn Kathar. I think that's how you say it. It's okay. K-A-T-H-I-R. Um, and you can read all about the battles of Muhammad fighting the Meccans while he was in Medina. Um, but this, this one, Ibn Ishaq, is from 770 A.D., so it's 138 years after Muhammad lived, okay. or after Muhammad died, right? So, pretty um, pr way earlier than than the Hadith. Okay, Muslims don't like Ibn Ishaq. Uh, they they reject it because he didn't he didn't go through as much. He doesn't say he went through as rigorous of a vetting process as Bukhari did. Okay. However, okay. he wrote a hundred years earlier, so it seems like you could get better sources being 100 years closer in time. Yeah. Does that make sense? From a historian mm, standpoint. It's like likely you're only missing one generation of a gap there. Yeah, so that's yeah, or maybe, one, maybe two, two at that time yeah. period. Yeah. But it's like that's a lot closer. It is. Than, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Very, it's, it's way closer it's than It's more Bukhari. likely you'll get accurate answers, or at least closer. You think, yeah. yeah. And so, so um, when, when we come to these sources, again, 138 years later is a long time. Mm. So how accurate are these? Plus they're biased because they're by Muslim. They're yeah. by Muslims, right? So what really happened? Who was the historical Muhammad? Tough to say. But for sake of argument, we're, we're going to assume that these are trustworthy sources because Muslims assume that the Hadith are trustworthy sources. So what we want to do for this podcast is read to you a lot of what the Muslim sources say about Muhammad and about how Islam was founded. Hmm. Because we don't want to give you a Christian interpretation of them. We want to read from the, from the source, right? We want to go to the documents and say this is how Muslims know about Muhammad. Let's see what they claim for themselves. I think that's and I think that's an important point whenever we're talking about any religion, right? If you want to know about Mormonism, you shouldn't um, just listen to our podcast about Mormonism. You should go read yeah. the Mormon documents, right? Yeah. I mean, if you want to know about Islam, you should read the Islamic documents. This this is that's right. this is the only way to study. Let them speak for themselves. Yeah, like so, th this podcast being like a resource to help guide you through that is good but sure. yeah definitely seek this out on your own it's yeah yeah because you could always get bias right mm -hmm. from christians who are who are interpreting things a certain way but when we read straight from the sources it's kind of difficult to say that we're twisting things yeah so we right. want to assume these sources are true because muslims do and we want to read from these sources yeah so that's where we're going with today's podcast sounds great are you ready tyler let's buckle up buckle up <laughs> All right, Muhammad. Who was Muhammad? Um, the sources talk about Muhammad being born at about 570 A.D. in Mecca, which is uh, still a city in current-day Saudi Arabia. Right. Uh, he was orphaned early on. His dad died before he was born, and then his mom died when he was six years old. Um, Muhammad was considered al-Amin, which means uh, the trustworthy, 
Um, and among the people in Mecca, he traded, and he was a man of commerce. He worked for his uncle um, okay. in, in the trade industry. Um, and then when he was 25 years old, he married a rich widow. And mm. you know how to pronounce her name, Tyler. Yes, I'm not yes. good with this. Khadija. Khadija, yeah. Khadija. Yeah. K-H-A-D-I-J-A. Mm-hmm. Um, now, interesting thing about her was she was kind of a cradle robber. Hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. One of my friends, he's 10 years older than his wife. And occasionally I'll make fun of him. Uh, because when he was in college, you know, she was like in first grade or whatever. <laughs> so oh my gosh! Just, I mean, yeah. is that is that accurate? Is yeah, that accurate? yeah. About well, like, yeah. Freshman, she's not. Maybe no. Maybe she was like in third grade. Sorry about that. But it's still <laughs> funny, right? That is, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, could could how do you say it? Khadija. Khadija, man, I am not good at that name. Khadija was forty Sorry. years old when she married Muhammad, and he was 25 years old. So she okay. was 15 years older than him, which is kind of not the social norm. Yeah. Right? Um, usually men are older, especially in this time. Like, that's weird to think about, because, like, when she was 20, he was five. Yeah. Yeah, that's you got weird. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, uh, important note here, um, from, from what we know in the sources, Muhammad was completely faithful to his wife until she died. Okay. He, he, was, he was monogamous with her. Until she died, his first wife. Right. Um, so that's kind of the, the background to Muhammad. <clears throat> we want to read to you from sources uh, from the Hadith and from the Sirat about who Muhammad was and what Muslims claim – their best sources claim he was and what uh, what he did. So I'm going to read – now listen, okay. listeners. This is a long quote, okay? But it's a story about uh, how Islam was founded and, and the, the um, encounter that Muhammad had with the supposed angel Gabriel, right. what he thought about it, and what happened transpiring after that. And this is from their text, yeah. This is from Sahid al-Bukhari, which is hadith, right? which is and, – and Muslims believe this is the best hadith. Okay. okay. Yep. So this comes from Volume Nine, Book Eighty Seven, Number One Eleven. Right. Okay. So if you want to look it up, just type in Sahih Al Bukhari. Uh, you spell Bukhari B U K H A R I, and you could just type in Bukhari Volume Nine Eighty Seven One Eleven, and you'll get this text. Okay. Great. All right. Now these are translated from Arabic, so they're in English, and they're it's a little choppy, but you'll get the gist of it. Right. All right. Here we go. I'm going to read from the Hadith from Sahih Al Bukhari. The commencement of the divine inspiration to Allah's apostle was in the form of good, righteous, true dreams in his sleep. He never had a dream but that it came true, like bright daylight. He used to go in seclusion to the cave of Hira, where he used to worship Allah alone, continuously for many days and nights. He used to take with him the journey food for that stay and then come back to his wife, Khadija, to take his food likewise again for another period to stay till suddenly the truth descended upon him while he was in the cave of Hira. The angel came to him in it and asked him to read. The prophet replied, I do not know how to read. The prophet added, the angel caught the prophet um, uh, he caught me uh, sorry the angel caught me forcefully and pressed me so hard that I could not bear it any more. He then released me and again asked me to read and I replied, I do not know how to read whereupon he caught me again and pressed me a second time till I could not bear it any more. He then released me and asked me again to read but I again replied, I do not know how to read or what shall I read? Thereupon he caught me for the third time and pressed me and then released me and said, 
Read, in the name of your Lord, who has created all that exists, has created man from a clot. Read, and your Lord is most generous, up to that which he knew not. Then Allah's apostle returned with the inspiration, his neck muscles twitching with terror till he entered upon Khadijah and said, Cover me, cover me. They covered him till his fear was over. And then he said, O Khadijah, what is wrong with me? Then he told her everything that had happened and said, I fear that something may happen to me. Khadijah said, Never, but have the glad tidings, for by Allah, Allah will never disgrace you as you keep good reactions with your kith and kin, speak the truth, help the poor and the destitute, serve your guests generously, and assist the deserving, calamity-afflicted ones. Khadijah then accompanied him to her cousin, Warqwa bin Naful bin Asid bin Abdul Uzza bin Quasai. That is a name. <laughs> so his wife takes him yeah. to her cousin. Okay? And I'll keep reading. Right. Warqwa uh, was the son of her paternal uncle, i.e. her father's brother, who during the pre-Islamic period became a Christian and used to write the Arabic writing and used to write of the Gospels in Arabic as much as Allah wished him to write. He was an old man and had lost his eyesight. Khadijah said to him, O oh my cousin, listen to the story of your nephew. Warqwa asked, O oh my nephew, what have you seen? The Prophet described whatever he had seen. Warqwa said, This is the Namus, i.e. Gabriel, the angel who keeps the secrets, whom Allah had sent to Moses. I wish I were young and could live up to the time when your people will turn you out. Allah's apostle asked, Will they turn me out? Warqwa replied in the affirmative and said, Never did a man come with something similar to what you have brought but was treated with hostility. If I should remain alive till the day when you will be turned out, then I would support you strongly. But after a few days, Warqwa died and the divine inspiration was also paused for a while, and the prophet became so sad, as we have heard, that he intended several times to throw himself from the tops of high mountains, and every time he went up to the top of the mountain in order to throw himself down, Gabriel would appear before him and say, O Muhammad, you are indeed Allah's apostle in truth, whereupon his heart would become quiet, and he would calm down and would return home. And whenever the period of the coming of the inspiration used to become long, he would do as before. But when he used to reach the top of the mountain, Gabriel would appear before him and say to him what he had said before. So, that's uh, from Sahih al-Bukhari, volume 9, book 87, number 111. <clears throat> All right. So let's recap, Tyler. What did we see? Uh, yeah. Muhammad's married to a rich widow. He's got time on his hands. Uh -huh. He goes to a cave to pray to one god. This is countercultural yeah, at that's that time right. because the Meccans were polytheists and Muhammad believes and teaches monotheism. Right. Which is a plus. Uh -huh. That's a good thing. It is. <clears throat> so while he's in the cave, uh, an angel, a spiritual being, comes to him and squeezes him and says, Recite, read, I can't read. It squeezes him a second time. Read, I can't read. So hurting him, right? Yeah. And then says recite and gives him the first uh, verse, the first uh, part of the Quran. And I think it's chapter 96 is where that's at in the Quran. Um, but he gives him this first portion of the Quran. And it says that he goes back to his wife. And what is happening? His m neck muscles are twitching. Yeah. He says, I'm afraid something bad's happened to me. He, he like, sits in her lap. They cover him up until his terror is gone. Yeah. Right? 
And then his wife says, what happened? And he explains it to her, and then she takes him to her cousin, who was supposedly a Christian, and he says, oh, this was Gabriel. So it's not Muhammad who thought it was Gabriel. It's a cousin. It's her, his, his wife's cousin who tells him who this was. Okay. And that it's okay, and that he doesn't need to be afraid. However, his wife's cousin dies, and, it, and then al-Bukhari, a trusted hadith, says that yeah. uh, it... it became long time between the revelations coming. The angel wasn't well, visiting him. Hmm. And what did he try to do when the angel didn't visit him? Tried to kill himself. Tried to throw himself off a mountain. Yeah. Multi it lists that multiple times. Did you see that? Yeah, multiple that's right. suicide attempts based on the revelation was a long time coming. Yeah. Seems very I'm weird. I'm thinking too, it's strange <laughs> that uh um that they would just take the word of this cousin uh, who mm -hmm. didn't see it, that it was Gabriel too. That's significant to me because yeah. I'm thinking, okay, well, who was this guy? What gives him the authority to say that? Yeah. And then to think it just some guy who thought it was the angel Gabriel and then they just yeah. took it as, okay, it is Gabriel. So yeah. We're gonna and you know, it. you know what is interesting too, Tyler? Yeah. Is, um, again, this is speculation. Okay. So this isn't, this right. is just thinking, mm -hmm. thinking out loud. <clears throat> um, Christians would often get exiled because they were heretics. Oh, yeah. Uh, this guy is out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. in Saudi Arabia. Not a huge, strong Christian presence out there in the right. 600s. And he's out there. Um, there is there is a uh, possibility that he was a heretic who got cast out, or he was taught Christianity, quotes, te teaching by a heretic. Yeah. But but he but might have not. been a heretic or have heretical writings. And yeah. one of the reasons I think this is because Muhammad talks about what Christians believe in his writings. That's right. And and some of it's just so far-fetched. It's like, man, that's a huge mistake. He couldn't have really thought that. For instance, it teaches that the Trinity, Christians believe the Trinity is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and Mary. That's yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Christians have ever taught that. I've Creeds heard of that before. Specifically, right. speak against that. Um, it's a bizarre idea. It seems almost more like Muhammad um, didn't know what Christians believed or had been taught some bad information. Yeah, and that's likely. Even if it yeah. wasn't from this cousin, it could have been just from someone else who was sure. wandering around in that sure. But what, region. But why, yeah, why why are we trusting this cousin? Because if you think about it, all of Islam is based not on Muhammad but on this cousin's correct interpretation. Yeah, who wasn't there? Who wasn't there in the cave? No one was there. And even after Muhammad believes this, he still tries to kill himself multiple yeah. times. Yeah. And it takes the angels saying, no, don't do that. You are a prophet. If he was a prophet, he didn't know it. And he didn't yeah. believe it because he's depressed or something's going on and he's suicidal. Yeah. And, it, it, it's an, and again, this isn't a Christian account. This is the Hadith. This is Muslim account of what happened to Muhammad. Yeah, well, to me, just just outward perspective, and again, some of this is speculation, but it, mm -hmm. what seems like to me is that he was fearing that he was demon-possessed, and yeah. he was terrified, so much so to the point where he wanted to kill himself, and maybe, just maybe, speculating here again, these demons didn't want him to kill himself, and is like, okay, wait a minute. Let's yeah. like get your attention. Hey, you are the prophet. That, yeah, you know, calm down. Isn't that what it's that kind of sounds like to you? Just it a, does. at least a little bit. Well, it does, especially when we read this next right. Muslim source that talks about okay. yeah, yeah. Muhammad's Muhammad's interpretation of what had happened to okay. him. Okay, let's hear so that. So why don't you? Yeah, why don't you read this next one, Tyler? This sure, now sure. again, this doesn't come from Hadith. 
This comes from Surat. This is from Ibn Ishaq. This is the best source we have on on uh, Muhammad. It comes from uh, 70, 770 AD, so okay. it's 138 years later. It's the earliest source we have about him, okay? Important, though. Muslims don't accept this because they don't think it's as good as right. Al-Bukhari, but it's still the earliest biography we have of Muhammad. Sure. And okay. it does coincide. It, it does go together with what's said in Bukhari. Okay. It, it, it agrees so, with that. So, so you could say that this is probably reliable as, as yeah. far as what they're <clears throat> believing in. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Go ahead and read it. Yeah, of course. And I awoke from my sleep, and it was as though these words were written on my heart. Uh, now, none of God's creatures was more hateful to me than a poet or a man possessed. I could not even look at them. I thought, woe is me, poet or possessed, never shall Koresh, uh, Koresh say of me, say this of me, I will go to the top of the mountain and throw myself down that I may kill myself and gain rest. So I went forth to do so. And then when I was midway on the mountain, I heard a voice from heaven saying, O Muhammad, thou art an apostle of God and I am Gabriel. I raised my head towards the heaven to see who was speaking, and Gabriel, in the form of a man with feet astride the horizon, saying, O Muhammad, thou art an apostle of God, and I am. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's, and that's the end of the quote. Mm -hmm. So, again, doesn't that go exactly with what Bukhari said happened? Other than the mm -hmm. point where it says that uh, Muhammad was worried that he was a poet or he was possessed. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't want the Quraysh, that's his the Quraysh, that's his tribe of people. He didn't want them to right. think that of him. That's, interesting. that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, so he doesn't know if he's possessed, he doesn't know what's going on, but he is suicidal in both of these accounts. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's astounding because we get this from the the key Muslim source. These Tyler, these are the best Muslim sources. Yeah. There's there's a, there's a lot more, but these are the oldest, these uh, the hadith ones are the most respected of Muslim sources. So this isn't like we're making stuff up or we're speaking out of turn or these were enemies of, of Islam. No. Yeah, because these are direct quotes that these are, we're getting. Yeah. That's, yep, that's, yeah. that's what they're posed as. So um, there's another text <clears throat> that tells us about an encounter that Muhammad has as a child. Mm. And this also comes from Ibn Ishaq, the Surat of the uh, uh, Prophet of Allah. Uh, and this is what it says. Some months after our return, he and his brother were with our lambs behind the tents when his brother came running and he said to us, two men clothed in white have seized that Karashi brother of mine and thrown him down and opened up his belly and are stirring it up. We ran towards him and found him standing up with a livid face. We took hold of him and asked him what was the matter. He said, two men in white raiment came and threw me down and opened up my belly and searched therein for I know not what. So we took him back to our tent. His father said to me, I'm afraid that this child has had a stroke, so take him back to his family before the result appears. So we picked him up and took him to his mother, who asked why we had brought him when I had been anxious for his welfare and desirous of keeping him with me. I said to her, God has let my son live so far, and I have done my duty. I'm afraid that ill will befall him, so I've brought him back to you as you wished." She asked me what happened and gave me no peace until I told her. When she asked if I feared a demon possessed him, I replied that I did. Wow. Okay, yeah. and that's from uh, Ibn Ishaq. Uh, that's on page 71 and 72, the English translation. So <clears throat> this isn't a story about Muhammad when he was a kid. 
before his mom died when he was six, and there was this other lady watching him, and her, her son comes up and says, hey, yeah, there's these two guys dressed in white opening up his belly, right? And then he says yeah. the same thing, and then they take him back because they're freaking out about him. That's yeah. and And his mom says, do you think he's demon-possessed? And the lady says, yes, that's what I think happened. Ripping up his belly, like searching through his belly. Like yeah. re- reading that, that was just... <clears throat> It's it's just yeah it's it's disturbing yeah this again though Muslim source the earliest Muslim source we have of the life of Muhammad now this is what gets interesting even in the Quran the holy word of God the holy word of Allah Muhammad argues that he isn't possessed and that the Quran is not a result of demon possession <laughs> which means what which means people must have been saying that he was and must have been saying that it was. Otherwise, you don't need to argue against it, right? Well, well he claimed that he was too in the first. Like, uh, yeah, and even shock. Yeah, he says, "I'm feared that I might be demon possessed." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it makes sense why people were thinking this. So then, for him, <laughs> sure. I'm just saying, yeah, sure. Yeah. So this is from the Quran, okay? So surah, which is like a, it's, I mean, you can think of it as like chapter, okay? But it really means like a fencing in of, it's like a topical fencing in of things, okay? Um, right. So surah eighty one twenty two through twenty five. You want to read that for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, it says, "No, your compatriot Muhammad is not mad. He saw him, Gabriel." On the clear horizon, he does not grudge the secrets of the unseen, nor is the utterance of an accused of an accursed devil. Yeah, that's interesting. This is not the utterance of an accursed devil. <laughs> the Quran, right? People yeah, must yeah. have been saying that it was in order for him to have to defend that. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, why else would he yeah. say that? That's interesting. That's think about what it starts mm-hmm. off with. No, Muhammad is not crazy, right? Mad, not crazy. Right, he really saw Gabriel. He uh, he does not That's grudge the secrets of the unseen, and this isn't an utterance of an accursed devil. It is fascinating. Why would you need to say that? Well, maybe because that's what people were saying of him. Maybe it's because that's what was happening. Could be. Could uh, uh, be. Yeah, that's. It just is an interesting thing to find in the eternal word of it Allah. It is. It is. Yeah. Now there's another one. There's another uh, uh, chapter and verse that talks about this in the Quran. Right. This comes from Surah 69, 41 through 42. You want to read that one too, Tyler? Yeah, sure. Uh, it says, It, meaning the Quran, is no poet's speech, scant as your faith. It is no soothsayer's <laughs> divination, uh, how little you reflect. It is a revelation from the Lord of the universe. Yeah, the Quran is not poet's speech. It's not soothsayer's divination. Yeah, it's this from is, the Lord yeah. of the universe. And again, that's Surah 69, 41 and 42. Wow. <clears throat> People must have been saying this for him to have had to defend himself, right? Uh, yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's what it would imply. <clears throat> Why else would you make like these the statements otherwise yeah. like if people weren't saying these things about him so i, I yeah. think that I, I think that that's the case that it's likely that he was being accused of this meaning people believe that during the time okay maybe this guy is possessed by the devil mm-hmm. yeah well and it's in the biography mm-hmm. um in in the hadith he has this encounter with this supposed angel and he's scared freaked right. out yeah. neck muscles twitching goes home they have to cover him up <clears throat> let him calm down Mm-hmm. And then he tries to kill himself multiple times. Yeah. It's just, what is going on? Like, something's not not right here with the suicide attempts especially. Like, something's off, right? 
Something's yeah. off. Now, <clears throat> one of the things I like to do is contrast Muhammad's encounter with demons or angels mm-hmm. with Jesus' encounters with demons and angels. Yeah. All right? So so let's just look at what the Gospels claim happened surrounding Jesus and angels. All right? So yeah, I'll take the good. first one. Luke 2, 13 and 14 says that there were mm-hmm. angels present at Jesus' birth. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> one of the things that didn't happen was none of these angels squeezed anybody. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you're right. And then, and then in Matthew 2, 19, 20, an angel warned Joseph about Herod's plot to kill Jesus. Yeah, think about this. An angel comes to say, hey, we value life, mm. and you need to save the life of Jesus, because Herod's going to try to kill not him. Not attacking, not harming. Not squeezing anybody, not yeah. forcing anybody, warning about destruction coming. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. <clears throat> Matthew 4.11, angels ministered to Jesus after his temptation with Satan. Mm-hmm. Remember when he was in the wilderness? That's right. I and, remember that. And yeah, he's turned these stones into bread, and he, he refutes Satan three times. Satan leaves, and then it says that angel, angels came and ministered to Jesus. They came to help him right. in his time of need in Matthew. Yeah, and then in Luke 22.43, an angel ministered to Jesus in Gethsemane. That's right. Remember when he's praying, you know, Father, if you can remove this cup from me, but That's right. my, not my will, yours be done. It does say that. An angel came and ministered to him in his time of need, helped him, right, uh-huh. <clears throat> before he's going to be killed and tortured by other people. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> then in Matthew twenty six fifty three, uh, angels were ready to help Jesus at his betrayal. Mm-hmm. Remember where he said that when he's getting arrested and he says, listen, there are a myriad of angels on call for me. And if I needed to have, if I needed protection, we don't have to chop dude's ears off with a sword. I could call a ton of angels to come and help me. They were ready yeah. to help Jesus. They were at his call. beck and call. Yeah. yeah. They weren't telling him what to do. That's very different. Very from different. the idea of Muhammad. Very different. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's so important. And then uh, again, we see in Matthew 28 too, an angel rolled the stone from Jesus's tomb, right? Yep. That's really important. That's, uh, that's interesting because it also brings up the fact that like the angels are supporting life and like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like the resurrection, that uh, being an angel, the one that moved the stone. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really, and then that also shows that Jesus has the power over them again. That's another signal of it, because he controlled for the angel, like, call, on, the, the angels are on his call. That's yeah. the point here. Not the angels are telling him and bossing exactly. him around. Yeah. yeah. They're, 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 they're serving him. Serving they're the him. ones that are moving the stone. They're not making, telling him to move it. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's, yep. yeah, that's interesting. It's different than Islam. It is, yeah. Um, and then in Matthew 28, 5 through 6, an angel announced the resurrection of Christ. Remember? Right. Why do you seek the dead among the living? He's not here, <laughs> right? Uh, they're, they're telling his story, not forcing him to tell their story. That's right, yeah. Interesting, right? It is. It is. And then, and then uh, uh, lastly, on our examples we have here, we have in Acts one ten, angels came to bring a message as Christ ascended into heaven. Yep. Remember when everyone's looking up into heaven mm-hmm. and they say, hey, just in the same way that he left, he will come back, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they came to tell the disciples, get busy with the Great Commission. Is what they're yeah, doing. You true. need to go do and this. Then, and then that's that's significant too. Like through, through all of these um, encounters, we see that none of the angels' encounters in Scripture that we see result in suicide attempts in Scripture. Yeah, not one of them. Not one encounter with an angel results in suicide attempts. Yeah, so, so what's the deal with Gabriel and Muhammad, right? Yeah, that's interesting. That's and, odd. 
Yeah, and then I think that we can find re- even further results with this if we look into how Jesus had encounters with demons. Yeah, now this is interesting. Yeah. yeah. What did Jesus encounter with demons? Uh, you remember in Mark 5, uh, mm-hmm. verses 1 through 20, there's the Gerasene demoniac. Remember, they cross the river, mm-hmm. and there's this crazy guy who's demon-possessed. And he lives in the tombs, and people have tried to chain him up, but he's so strong, he keeps breaking chains. Remember? And he's That's like, right. he's like a wild beast. Right, he's super strong, scary. Lives in the cemetery. This is weird, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that it talks about this guy would do is he'd mutilate his body. He'd mm. scrape his body with uh, with rocks. It talks about with sharp stones. Yeah, yeah. So body mutilation, arming himself. Yeah, body mutilation was something that de- a demon possessed guy did. That's, yeah, that's, that's telling, right. right? And and Jesus comes and he casts the demons out of this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then talks about how he, he's in his right mind again. But it is interesting to say the demon possession of this man resulted in mutilating his body. Yeah, yeah. And then we see again uh, in Matthew 17, 14 through 23, another encounter with a demon. There's a demon-possessed boy who uh, falls into fire and into water under demon's control, right? And yeah, then, yeah. This is when, um, this is right after the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus, mm. James, Peter, and John are up there, and they're coming down, and then the other nine disciples were, were down, and this guy brings his son, who's demon-possessed, right? and, and they can't even help him, right? The other nine disciples, the, he says, your disciples couldn't help me. They couldn't cast this demon out. Well, can you, are you even able to help me? He's even doubting Jesus. <laughs> and he says that when, when the, his son's under the control of demons, they throw him into fires or they force him underwater to drown him. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's horrible. But again, destruction of human life comes not from encountering angels, but from encountering demons in the Bible. Yeah, yeah that's what we see. So it's uh, like, I mean, what else would you think? Like when it comes to a comparison of angels and demons so far, it shows that that like how angels are described in their interactions in the Quran and uh, in the Hadith. It's very different from what we see in Scripture. So very it ma- different. Yeah, so it makes you wonder, like, were these actually angels? Yeah. Or yeah. was it a demonic entity? So, yeah. So Now, you may ask the question, do we have any examples of, of demons leading people to try to attempt suicide in Scripture? And yes, we yeah, do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> right? If you think about it, one, one, of the, one of the places, and this is like, as a kid, I always thought this story was so crazy, yeah. right? <laughs> but it comes from uh, Mark chapter 5. And um, when Jesus cast the demons out of the, the Gerasian demoniac, that guy who was living in the tombs, you remember yeah. the demons ask and say, please don't cast us out without a place to go. If you will permit, cast us into those pigs over there. Remember that? Yeah, that's and right. And Jesus grants their request. And then Tyler, let me ask you a question. What did the pigs that were now demon-possessed do? They committed suicide. Yes. Yeah. They all the ran off of the ran. cliff. Yeah into the water and killed themselves. Not because of an encounter with an angel, but because of an encounter with demons. Yeah, that's that's crazy. You just see the drastic difference yeah. here. Yeah. So uh, that's what that's the thing. Uh, so self-harm and suicide comes from demon encounters in scripture, not from angel encounters. Yeah, right. Yep. And then we we see again, I I think this is one that people that is even more familiar to everybody. Yeah, this everybody. is like the capstone of the argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, I think everybody knows this, but this is very, very important when it comes to demonic encounters. But Luke uh, 22, 3 through 4, 
uh, tells us that Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. And then we see in Matthew 27, 5, that Judas committed suicide by hanging. Yep. Right? So, so again, this is another contrast. It's, uh, there's um, scripture saying that Satan demonically possessed Judas Iscariot, mm-hmm. and then he later committed suicide. Yep. Right. And so, so uh, see, that's like, it's, it, it encounters with demons lead people to harm themselves. That's what that's, we see in scripture. Yeah. And like, that's, <clears throat> I mean, uh, you don't see any encounters with demons, especially through these, obviously through these examples, but just anywhere where it's a positive outcome. They mm-hmm. harm, they cause harm, they kill, like they seek to destroy. That's like the common thing that you see. It is. Yeah, it is. And, and, and when angels show up, there's none of that. Right. Yeah. So, so. What happened with Muhammad in this cave when he was all alone? Was it a demon? Was it an angel? <clears throat> it's interesting when you when you think about that, right? <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, now, an- yeah. another thing I think that's fascinating is what, what happened when Jesus encountered demons? They knew who he was. Right, yeah. Right? They knew who he was. Think Now, think about this. They'd say, "We know who you are. We know you. What you've come to do? Don't throw us into the abyss." Don't. They were afraid of Jesus. That's right. When yeah. the supposed angel Gabriel comes to Muhammad, he frightens Muhammad. He's yeah, not afraid right. of Muhammad. He frightens Muhammad and squeezes well, him to force him to do what he wants. You know, and that's a, I, I like that you use the word "frighten" there when it, this angel encounter. Because uh, you remember, uh, again, we gave this example earlier of when um, an angel appeared to Joseph to mm-hmm. talk about, uh, uh, like, to, to say that Mary was with child. But remember what, what he said, what the angel said to Joseph when he saw him in, in that encounter. He said, do not be afraid. Yep. Right? Yeah. That was the first thing he said to him. Yeah, do not don't be afraid. Be afraid. You don't hear, and you hear that, you see that with every, uh, that's what happened with the angels at the tomb when the mm-hmm. women arrived. The, he sa- the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, right? Yep. So that if we have that as a common greeting with angels, and you see, in the second they see that you're, you have fear, they say, oh, calm down, it's okay, do not be yep. afraid. But with this encounter with Muhammad that's described, the, the angel doesn't do that. In fact, it inflicts fear. Yeah. Yeah, it tries to force. Yeah, yeah. that's it scares that, him. That's a complete opposite of what what we know of the nature of angels in scripture. Yep. It is. It's a complete opposite. The other thing is, when Jesus encounters uh, angel or demons, they yeah. know who he is and they're afraid of him. Right? Yes. Now that think is about right. this. Uh, Jesus never once questions who the demons are. Right. Are you really a demon? Maybe you're an angel. There's none of that going on. Jesus knows who they are, and Mm -hmm. they totally know who he is. When it comes to Muhammad, Muhammad doesn't know he's the prophet of Allah. Mm -hmm. He's freaking out, and he tries to kill himself. So instead of demons coming to Jesus and saying, we know who you are, you have an angel coming to Muhammad trying to reassure Muhammad of who he is. Yeah. You don't have angels coming to Jesus saying, hey, listen, don't forget you're the son of God. Hey, remember, buddy, it's going to be all right. You got, you you know, don't forget your identity. Jesus knows who he is. That's right. He doesn't, yeah. Demons recognize right. Jesus' identity, but then this angel with Muhammad has to tell Muhammad his identity. <laughs> That's so true. It's yes. very interesting and reassure him of that and kind of coax him along into believing this thing. Uh, there's yeah. just such a difference between Jesus' encounter with angels and demons and Muhammad's mm. encounter uh, with with this with this first vision he got, this first yeah, encounter. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just think the text that we looked at today, um, it, it gives a pretty 
um, pretty good idea, I think, of uh, like Muhammad's origin and that it's it's very possible. I, I think it's safe to assume after reading this text that he he had encounters with demons. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, and again, it goes back to that idea. Did the dude just make this up or yeah. did he really encounter something? And I think he right. really encountered something His life because his life was pretty cushy. He was married to a rich yeah, widow. He had right. a lot of time on his hands. Things were good. Um, he had no reason just to make it yeah. up. Yeah. <clears throat> there was no gain out of yeah, it. Yeah, like like we've talked about before, other cult leaders or like religious f- leaders, they, they like that come out. They tend to have something to gain out of it, right? Like, uh, but we don't see that with Muhammad. Not at first, yeah. and not for a while. To that's be right. That's right. So at he, least during this stage. Yeah, his this, life was pretty good. Right about, here. It was. Yeah. Now another thing that I do want to point out: Jesus and Muhammad both had something in common. Mm. Both of them were accused of being possessed by demons yes that is <laughs> right? true muhammad obviously was because of what he says in the quran no it's not it's not soothsayers divination no this isn't the mm-hmm. utterance of demons uh and jesus was accused of being able to do miracles through demonic power That's remember right. that the pharisees come to him in matthew 12 22 through 29 and they say he does these things which is interesting because they're admitting he's doing things Mm-hmm. Right, the enemy of Jesus is admitting he can do miracles, <laughs> so that's important. And uh, but they're saying he's doing these things through the power of Beelzebub, right? Yeah, uh, of of demons. And Jesus, this is really interesting. How does he respond? Does he respond like Muhammad did and say, "No, scant is your faith. This isn't soothsayer's divination. <laughs> Trust in Allah. Just believe me." Yeah. No, Jesus says, "Let's think about what you're saying here. How?" Can a house divided stand, right? That's yeah. where Jesus quotes Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the other way around. Uh, that's, yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's what Jesus says. How can a house divided against itself stand? That doesn't make sense. You can't go into a strong man's house unless you tie him up first, yeah. right? So Jesus is saying if demons are fighting demons, how is that a win for Satan. That doesn't even make sense. Demons casting out demons into pigs and like stupid. Yeah, and that's crazy. Like just seeing that that's all he had to say. And then it's yeah. like, you don't see, like it's not recorded in scripture. Like from that moment, it's like, you just see it's he like, He just okay. shows how it's illogical. But it seems yeah. like it's calm, it's cool, mm-hmm. it's collected. Guys, 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 let's, let's, please, let's think about what you're saying here. It could, because it's, it's ludicrous. It doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense. And then I love what he says, because he goes, <laughs> he goes, and if I'm casting out demons by Satan, who are your sons casting out demons <laughs> by the power of, right? And yeah. they, oh, yeah, like, because well, he's saying, yeah. I could say the same thing of your sons. If, right, if your yeah. argument stands that Satan would fight Satan, then maybe your sons are demon possessed, right? Which they would say, uh, no. Um, so Jesus' rebuttal to this is a, well, very different than Muhammad's rebuttal of kind of defensiveness. Yeah, Jesus that's good. just shows that's illogical. That yeah, doesn't make it, any it, sense. You know what? It just his answer satisfies. You know, like like when you mm-hmm. hear that, it's like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. Yes. But then, like uh, to me, hearing uh, basically hearing Muhammad saying like your your faith scant is your faith. Like you you just need to have faith and just trust in what I say. Like mm-hmm. Allah like is the key to this. Like he it comes from him. It's like it. That's his only reasoning. Yes. He doesn't say anything else. Just trust me. Saying, you're not trusting me. Well, and they're saying, this is coming from demons. And basically he's saying, no, I'm telling you the truth. I was all by myself in a cave and I got these revelations and there's nobody else to verify it. So trust me. That's dumb. Whereas Jesus is performing miracles in public 
And people are trying to figure out, how's he doing this stuff, He's saying, right? look, I'm going to verify it in front of everybody that yes. I have the power to do this. And I'm going to verify it through my actions and miracles, but yeah. I'm also going to verify it th through showing you like, that your logic's yeah, bad. That's crazy. And that's a good point, Robbie. Like, these demonic outcasts, like, where Jesus is casting out these demons and stuff, this doesn't happen in private. No, it's, it's not just public. like with his friends or yeah. he's telling you or a story he doesn't that he take, did. He doesn't take a person like off into the wilderness somewhere in private and then cast the demons out. No. He does it very publicly yep. so people can see the him power. doing it, the yeah. power that he has against demons. And that, that's the important difference here. Yeah, Jesus that, verified yeah. his ministry through miracles. Muhammad said, just trust me about this private experience that I have. Yeah, that's right. It's a very different thing. So mm -hmm. um, I, hope, I hope you've liked this uh, podcast. Now, again, next week we're going to get into more about who Muhammad was, what he did, what was good about it, what was bad about yes. it, the horrendous stuff, um, just to give you a background on who he was. But the goal of all of this is to really search Muslim sources and say, who do they believe, who do they claim Muhammad was? Yeah, that's Because that's where you, you want to go. And I think in, in studying Muhammad's life and in studying Jesus' life, Jesus is far superior. Mm -hmm. well, why would you want to follow a guy who didn't know he encountered an angel and thought it might have been a demon? Why would you want to follow a guy who was so freaked out that his neck muscles were twitching and he tried to kill himself? Why do you want to follow a guy who's so unstable? He... Tried yeah. to commit suicide multiple times. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I want to follow somebody better than me. Yeah. The, right? Yeah. I mean... That's true. Not somebody who seems mentally unstable. That's true. You're right. I, I, like, regardless, like, of, like, <clears throat> the belief system, like, you think about it, that's. I think that's a very key factor into this whole thing. It's like, look, if you just look at the lifestyle of the person who's leading you in this path, like, you... You, at first, you want them to be better than you. Yes. That's a key of it. Yes, that's the yeah. whole point in following somebody is that they've got something to teach me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. anyway, well, hey, before we go, <clears throat> we got to share a coffee tip. Because right. this is Christ, culture, and coffee. The coffee part is in the title. It's in the title. So, so we got to talk about yeah. coffee. So here's the tip for today, Tyler. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. <clears throat> All right. There is a hot debate going on right now Okay. that... You can have the best coffee beans from the best origin in the world, grown in the best soil, with the best method, okay. uh, with, with the best um, uh, humidity, and I mean everything, from the right region, and you can, you can, in today's day and age, buy the perfect coffee bean, right. right? Depending on your taste, you can get it from wherever you want in the world. Right, yeah. And there's an argument that if people are going to such lengths to, to develop and grow and care for and harvest and perfectly roast the greatest beans in the world, mm -hmm. why would you take them to your home and ruin them right before you brew your coffee? Okay. And you go, wait a second, ruin them? Yeah, what's ruining them? Well, the debate is over how you grind your coffee beans. Oh, okay. The cheapest way to grind coffee beans is with a electric coffee grinder. You've seen those. I, you have one of those. I have one of those. I do. You can yeah. get them for $20 at Walmart or, or Target it's or easy. wherever it's you quick. shop. Yeah. It is. And you, you pour them in there. There's like a blade like a blade that spins really fast, mm -hmm. right? And you pour your beans in there. You put the lid on. You do that thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it pulverizes and chops your coffee beans, right? Yeah. And it's easy and it's fast. You dump them out. smells great. You put it in your coffee maker, your French press, whatever, and you brew your coffee. The argument is that this is a horrible way to, to grind your coffee because the, the method 
grinds it with your regular sizes of coffee grounds. Okay. And you know this is true because here's That's how. That's right. When you clean out right. your coffee maker, you will see the grinds in the filter. Mm-hmm. And you will see on the top that there are larger, almost whole coffee bean pieces. And then on the sides, there's like medium-sized ones. I've noticed that before. And then at the Martin. bottom of the filter, yeah. there's the fine, small coffee grounds. <clears throat> the electric cheap coffee grind does not grind the coffee at a consistent grit. Okay. It's yeah. irregular sizes. And what this does is it makes the coffee irregular because the finer stuff will release chemicals that are more bitter mm. and that you shouldn't have ground it that fine. But then you have the bigger chunks that really don't do much except sit in there, right? Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> the argument is you need to get a burr grinder. Burrs, instead of cho- chopping and pulverizing, um, they're kind of like circular discs that, that the bean gets smushed through. Yeah, almost okay. like a like almost like a um, pepper grinder, okay, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and um, what it does is it makes a much more consistent uh, size of your grind. Yeah, that makes sense. Which leads to a better, more consistent cup of and coffee. And you know what? I believe that because I've used my electric coffee grinder at home, and I've had those odd shaped chunks. Yeah, and it happens every time. Some that are like grind ground down so fine to where you can't tell. But like versus when I've got pre-ground coffee mm-hmm. grounds like at the store or something you won't typically have that because maybe they were ground differently yeah the store they put them through a big electric burr grinder and okay. if you go to starbucks or any coffee shop they'll have these big electric grinders they can grind your coffee there yeah, right those are burr grinders they don't do the electric spinning pulverizing there you go okay kind. so that makes sense it's a more consistent brew but you can get them for your home the electric ones are expensive but you can get a hand crank one which is kind of right. cool actually yeah. like it doesn't take that fun. much work no yeah. It doesn't take that much work at all. But um, that's the coffee tip for today. Maybe switch over from your cheap electric pulverizing, you know, <laughs> spinning blade coffee grinder to a hand burr grinder. Yeah, that's something to consider. Yeah, check Amazon, see what you can find on there. And uh, yeah, <laughs> if, if you do that, tell us how it is. I've heard amazing things about this method that it makes the cup of coffee that much better. Yeah, that's so that's great. the coffee tip for today. Yeah, thanks for that, Robbie. Yeah. That's awesome. And so... Uh, so just lastly, before we finish off the podcast, just wanted to uh, remind everyone, all of our listeners, of what our goal is here at Christ Culture and Coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, our goal is to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and to be confident in their faith. And hopefully hopefully, this ep- episode ended up giving you a little more assurance and confidence in your faith by comparing the origins of Islam uh, at least from the perspective of the life of Muhammad, and then comparing it to how Jesus interacted with people and angels and demons. And so um, hopefully this gave you assurance that this is something that you can um, that you can use to just kind of equip yourself in knowing, knowing, hey, you know what? I believe in a guy who cast out demons, who it, he tells demons what to do. Demons don't tell him what to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. So hopefully, again, this has been encouraging to you. Please uh, stay tuned for the rest of our series because we're going to dive uh, a lot deeper into some of the um, stuff behind Islam and give you a little further information. Definitely. So. Yep. And especially for our UK friends who encounter a lot of Muslims. Yeah, uses. Right. Muslims love to talk about religion. 
That's true. So yeah. don't don't feel sheepish in approaching them to talk about this. They love to talk about religion. So this hopefully is equipping you to be ready to do that. And hey, also just want to mention too, make sure to be praying for Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shared at the beginning of the podcast. She she wrote us a fa- on Facebook saying that uh, because of the podcast, she left Mormonism. Yeah. Um, and so just be praying for her as she's kind of deprogramming from that, detransitioning from that, mm-hmm. and she's getting plugged into a healthy Christian church uh, where she lives. So thank you so much for praying for her and thank you so much for being with us today on christ culture and coffee we'll be back next week to continue our series on islam thanks for listening to christ culture and coffee if you liked this episode please rate review and subscribe to help us reach more people